Draft drafters, it's Dan, it's JP, it's congestion season, at least for this guy on the side of the uh, microphone, and uh, you know, we're going to gut through it, I'm going to sound a little bit nasally, a little bit uh, a little bit congested, it's always a good time this time of year, sometimes this stuff comes down and says hi, and uh, you know what, I, there's not much I can do about it, JP, it's just going to be a fun morning, as we try to rip through some stuff that's happening in the world of college, and NFL, should be a good time. We're going to do two shows on the same day. I'm calling it out, dude. We're going to rock some back-to-back action because it's the holidays, and this is our time to shine. Yeah, man, we got to go through the gauntlet today. Um, you, can, you you say you sound nasally. Every time somebody says that, it catches me. Is that actually a word? It is a word, and really what it is is it's two different forms of things. Because some people, when it's nasally, it's, it's all in the nose. Other time when it's nasally is this is the opposite. There's nothing coming out of my nose and it's the weird point in in the day because you know, we're doing this in the morning uh where you're seized eventually up. i'm sure yeah it's seized up it's like it's it's there's nothing in the nose because it's all in there and it doesn't want to move so I, i'm guessing just about everyone understands what this feels like if they're over the age of about 10 <laughs> so i'm not going to go into any weird details on that there's other podcasts that'll you know web md your life and show you that you're going to die in five minutes because of the thing you think you have which is really just a cold but uh you know, we're, we're just going to stick with that for right now. It is a word. It is a thing. And it is something that has just sort of parked itself in my nose. And we'll go from there. So today, though, we're doing both, again, college show and a pro show. Not all on the same show. We're just referencing it because uh, we like to make sure that people are all on the same page with what's going on in our lives. But this is the show. From a college standpoint, we're going to be doing some deep dives. So not just these little dancing around, hey, this is a guy that we're going to talk about at some point. Here's a few things. This is... A little bit more of a conversation about some individuals that uh, that you and I, you know what, I'm calling this one, this is our blind spot episode. These are the guys that for whatever reason we either haven't talked about because maybe they weren't quite on our list or we haven't talked about because we don't think maybe they're that great, but enough people are putting them in the first round of a mock draft or towards the top of a mock draft that we're like, all right, cool, we need to have a chit chat and see what's going on with these individuals. Who do you want to start off with? Well, I didn't really follow the rules you just laid out. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a, a deeper dive, but it may not necessarily be players that I haven't already talked about, Dan. So, you know me. I'm always a wild oh, okay, card. But well, you did say it's a discussion, so I'm glad you, you it's a great there. segue. Because while I did a deep dive <laughs> on him, I really just wanted to make it more of a discussion. So, you ready for this? And I promise, I think it's Let's the only go. general discretion. Discretion? Is that a word? Yes. No, it isn't. <laughs> Let's go. I know it's not, but I just threw it out there for the hell of it. Uh, is Jonathan Brooks still RB1 um, in this draft? He was class? never RB1. He was for me. But, I don't think you he know, can as be. I started... I don't think he's coming out. Yeah, he is. Who like we've talked out? about but... this. Well, I guess that could make this a short take if you find out that he's returning to school. I don't think that he is. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe he's one who's still on the fence. But what I will say is I went back, I watched the tape of him. Dude, I I like everything. This guy's got good explosiveness. He, he's a dual threat guy. He can do it all. I don't really need to sure. go into that. Like I say, I wanted it to be more of a discussion because, A, it's – you know, basically kind of like a, a one-year wonder type guy because he sat mm-hmm. behind Bijan. But you know where that took me is his numbers this year like were on par with what Bijan was doing last year, who right. everybody was saying was like a generational back, best back since Saquon Barkley. So, okay, take the still out of it. Is Jonathan Brooks, you don't even have to say RB1. Let's take the one out of it. Let's take everything I said out of it. How about that? <laughs> is he the best running back in this draft, and you're going to get him at a value because he's going to slip due to the injury? And or how far does he slip? Right. Well, and again, the the question is, ACL injuries are not what they used to be. Uh, we, I haven't really dove too you know strongly into what type of an ACL injury it was, if this was something that was going to be worse of, of a thing that's going to lead to more issues down the road or not as clean of a comeback, but it seems like he's going to be back to normal. And 
when you think about a guy in 11 games having 1,100 yards rushing, plus he had 25 catches. I mean, at 6.1 yards per carry, which is exactly right, that magic number. what Bijan had last year, only he had better receiving numbers in less games because he's obviously missed the time. Like right. I can say, he's, he, he, was, he could have done better than Bijan did last year. True. And it's a weird situation to be in because, obviously, he's now kind of the out-of-sight, out-of-mind guy because he missed the last few games with that ACL. The question is, will he be ready for a training camp if he gets drafted? And I think he'll be right on the cusp of that when you look at the recovery time that usually happens these days for the ACLs, which means he's not going to be a first-round draft pick. Not that we think anyone. That's what I'm saying. Is he going to be? Is he going to be like like you say? Because I mean, he wasn't my number one. I forget who I had number one. Then all of a sudden, he became my one. Then he got hurt, and then Bucky Irving became my one. All I'm really getting at, though is there's a world where he could be the best running back in this draft and you're going to get him at a value because, let's be honest, the medical field or industry, whatever you right. want to call it, has advanced a ton and player like these ACL injuries, all injuries, it almost seems like aren't nearly as bad. You know, like it wasn't right. even that long ago when we were saying the Achilles is a new ACL, but we see people returning from those too. Yeah, well, except so, for Aaron Rodgers. Well, fair. Hopefully, we'll see. But, um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. Long story short, Dan, I, I've i said it three or four times already, I'm sure. We'll move on to the next guy. But I, I just think that he really, really is a talented, talented back. He could be the best one in this draft. And somebody's going to get him at a steal. And I don't know that anyone should be too worried about the, the injury recovery. Because, I mean, I'm a guy who always marks people down a bit for injury history especially at a skill position. And even I'm like, yeah, it's becoming less and less of a concern. People come back from him a lot now. Right. It's kind of like how people used to look at the, the Tommy John surgery in baseball as something that was going to change how a pitcher played. Now it's like, oh, you just take a year off and come back and be fine. It's almost kind of the same thing. And that's really the question for him, though, is does he come out because he had the injury, because he doesn't want to take chances in college again, or does he come back because he knows with another season, especially considering the NIL money or whatever he could potentially get, does he take another season, have a good year, end up in the first round? So, yeah, be interesting to see where he's at. If he comes out, he's definitely, like, top three running back, depending on how you want to uh, ding him for the injury and for the fact that he only had the one season, one two-thirds of a season of production. Uh, the flip side of that being uh, – He's also incredibly talented, and he went, averaged over six yards to carry and was doing Bijan-like stuff. So, yeah, and he's also, again, six foot, 200 pounds, so he's exactly what you'd like to see size-wise, too. I'm not going to talk about any running backs today, so uh, you can you can keep carrying on there if you want to, but I am going to talk about a six foot 185-pound wide receiver. He goes by the name of Lad McConkey. We have not actually gotten into him too much. Shame on you. Because, I, shame, shame on me. No, I will take you. that. I will take that shame and wear it proudly. All I got to uh, say about Lad is this guy just knows how to get open. <clears throat> I don't know what it is. He, he does, and that's kind of what I noticed from watching pockets. him. Here's what I'll say. is like, right, and we saw him last year, uh, especially uh, towards the end of the season, and it seemed like he was poised to have a great year, and he sort of had the, the you know, dings early on with the back injury uh, that kind of made him fall off my radar a little bit and with all the other wide receivers we had to talk about this year kind of kept pushing him to the back burner but no ignoring him now when you watch this guy's tape and again you're watching highlights of him but even when you're not watching highlights he's an incredibly good route runner but he's great on the short and the crossing routes he, he knows where to find the holes like you want to talk about a wide receiver that's going to find a spot in his zone to sit down and just know where to go because he's so many guys like a crossing route they keep going, and they end up carrying from the open spot into coverage again, or they're doing a curl or uh, or a whatever, uh, an out route, all those types of things. He knows, it seems like he knows where to be, to be open and identifying the coverage. If it's a zone, he's going to find the spot to sit down. If it's man coverage, he's going to find a way to create separation. Yeah, and I, I literally put in my notes, he puts DBs where he wants them to be. Like It's almost like he knows how to position himself to move, to make a head fake, body movement, whatever, to get a DB to be a step or two away from him. And that's an incredibly uh, smart talent that you see you know, from the mind of the game more than even the body of the game. The dude makes strong cuts, creates separation. He's got, it seems like he has a good burst. I have no clue what his top end speed is because I don't really think Georgia uses him that way. And I'm not sure if that's necessarily a huge part of his game. So I guess we're going to ding him anywhere. It's that 
I don't really know how fast he is. I'm curious to see what he runs. But again, that's only mostly just to see how much higher he's going to go on the list because he's already shown he can do everything else. So do you need him to take the top off a of defense? Not really, because he can catch 100 passes for someone in a Cooper Cuppy type situation where he doesn't have to get over the top because he still creates two steps on a DB and all of a sudden he's gone and a touchdown anyways, right? So uh, his hands do seem good. I don't know. I haven't seen him make any spectacular plays, but he catches pretty much everything that comes near him. So can't really complain about that. Uh, and the dude also shows, shows that he can do jet sweeps and things like that too. So they can get the ball in his hands wherever he's going to make a play happen. Uh, he definitely like screams slot receiver to me, uh, but he also still has the ability to play on the outside. They put him in both spots at Georgia. Uh, so this is a guy who is a very complete wide receiver that's going to step in day one and get you, you know, 70, 80 catches as a rookie. It really feels like, depending on the system he goes to, uh, he might not be the top five only because he doesn't have some of the flash of some of the other guys, but he should be right up there. Like, he's a guy that I was projecting at the beginning of the year to be like a third round guy or something like that. I think he's at least a second round player right now. Someone could talk themselves into the first round, but I think with everybody else that is kind of in front of him right now, he feels like a second round guy. Well, I just wrote day two on him, so I'm more. He's definitely not a first round guy in my book, but second round I'd be fine with. But sure. I, I wrote day two, probably just blanket day two, because there's so many darn wide receivers. You never know. He could be a second round great and end up in the third round and whatever. That's right. just fine. But yeah, he's definitely your QB's best friend type of player. Yes. Um, well, I was watching some Jonathan Brooks, and man, I couldn't help it. <laughs> But do another Texas player that I've talked about. Oh. And I did one of the things that I hate to do. I've often said I absolutely hate doing player comps. But it, oh. I've, I had to do it because I had seen it. But tell me if I'm way off on this. And I wanted to do it because we didn't. We still don't really know who tight end two is, to be honest with you. We think it's Jatavian Sanders. <laughs> and it probably is. But, dude, it's Jatavian Sanders. Because when you think about him, tell me if you tell me who you would comp him to based on what you've seen, mm. and then we talk about how he truly kind of looks like a a big wide receiver playing tight end, right? Um, right. It, but he's exactly what, what he kind of sounds like. He's a dangerous weapon as a receiver. He's not your your great you know blocking tight end. I guess he can do it in a pinch, but that's definitely not his cup of tea, if you will. And like mm. it just feels like a guy that could be really good depending on how the offense uses him. But like he can catch, he's athletic, he's got some shiftiness, mm -hmm. no blocking. Who does this sound like to you? It's really funny because I was just looking at their numbers next to each other, and he's almost the exact same size as Brock Bowers. He just plays the game differently, doesn't he? Plays the game a, a lot differently when it comes to <sighs> not ball in the hand. <laughs> so why am I not? I'm not thinking of the guy you're thinking of right now. Oh, mine's I'm a current NFL to... player. I'll just get to it to, you know, kill the suspense, if you will. But <laughs> I, and I could be way off because I feel like he's even a little bigger than this player. But I could be wrong on that. I might be rough on the stats there. But he, I would see Evan Ingram. Okay. Just yeah, a guy who, uh, just a guy who's a, a little too big to be your wide receiver, not quite athletic enough to be a wide receiver, mm -hmm. but suddenly is a very athletic and dangerous matchup at tight end, but don't ask him to, you know, be your all pro blocker when it comes to the <laughs> run chip game. a guy it's here just, and there. Yeah. It's just not going to work. And I, you know, Evan Ingram's a guy who just got franchise tagged. So, I mean, I'm not trying to knock right. on Ingram or Sanders here. He's just not that type of player, which is why the end of my notes for my deeper dive, I'm like, this guy could be, really good or really bad depending on the offense he goes to i don't know right. if they can ask him to do things that he's not capable of they need to let him be who he is this mm -hmm. true authentic self if you will and again the nfl is getting better about not trying to shove you know round pegs into square holes vice versa and that kind of stuff and sanders is that kind of guy that is very much not going to be chicago's probably not going to have a spot for him the way that they want to run the football if you will uh, I would say the old, um, you know, Baltimore Ravens wouldn't have been a good fit for him now with with the uh, with Monk, and it might be. But that's the thing: it's like a team that focuses more on the pass, but also uh, has a running back that maybe isn't a power back too. 
Like again, you want to talk about a team that is probably gonna that doesn't need a tight end, but would be somebody like Atlanta, because with Bijan, with Algar, with guys like that, they're doing a, a team that's doing more speed runs, that's doing more uh, you know zone outside type stuff as opposed to inside stuff might benefit from him because he doesn't have to maul a defensive end. He's you know lining up on a slower linebacker or a safety or something. Sure. So yeah, that is very much he Brock Bowers. Who feel like his plug and play with any team, however you do it, he's going to be effective. You just might not be utilizing him as well if you aren't taking advantage of his ability to catch. But he can block. You're not as worried about that. Um, whereas Sanders does seem like he is a guy who's just out there to catch passes and then shove a dude here, here, and there as long as you put him in the right spot. So yeah, that should be interesting to see how that plays out. He does seem like he's probably the second best tight end. But again, like you said, is he the second best tight end for everybody? No. Not at all. That's where it gets fun for this position. Once we do our rankings on this, dude, this is going to be interesting yeah. because yep. <laughs> it's going to be one and a bunch of, I can see that, or for the right team. You know, it's like, it's a very weird position this year. Another position that is weird because of its depth, I think, is uh, is offensive tackle. And there's another player that I keep seeing people mock in like the second round that I have not paid any attention to. Uh, it's on one of my teams, so my bad. But Dominic, I'm going to use, I'm going to call his last name because it's hilarious to me given his size. Puny. Could be Puny, P U N I, but he's six foot four and 325 pounds, so he's not puny at all. This is a, a weird guy in the way that teams won't seem like they want to value him and use him. He's a first team all Big 12 player, but is he a guard or a tackle? Because he kind of got you know, marks on both of them. Uh, he's a cousin of AJ Epinesa. A high school volleyball player spent all of last year at guard and all of this year at tackle. So when he was coming into the season, people are projecting him as like a plug and play guard. But then this year he played tackle and played well enough, according to a lot of different people's you know projections, that they could see him potentially playing tackle at the next level. What it looks like is it looks like he can get beat by speed though, and that's the problem that I think he's going to have being a tackle at the next level is I just don't see guy. I see guys with with fast pass rush moves just floating by this dude, like he's a freaking matador or something. And so that's something that he's either going to have to work on or a reason why he's going to get shifted inside at the next level. Uh, he seems like he got decent lateral movement, pushes this guy in the run game. Uh, but the thing that, that, that bugged me was it seemed like he, he didn't hold his blocks as long as he'd like to see. And that's a challenge when you're a tackle because your quarterback needs four seconds to throw the ball or something. If you're not holding your blocks long enough, the guy's just going to find his way into the backfield and you make life miserable for your quarterback. So again, to me, it seems like he'd be a better guard, but he's a guy that I'm seeing getting picked in depending on which mock draft you look at as a tackle and a tackle in the second round, which just seems a bit strange to me. That being said, he didn't that play his strange. bowl game. Yeah. Didn't play his bowl game like so many guys don't play their bowl games this year, which fair. And I remember a few years ago we were debating, is this like a, are you a detriment to your team? Are you not rallying with the boys? And now it's like, oh, yeah, that guy's out. That guy's out. I, I do get it because, again, you don't want to get hurt. Maybe the coaching staff's changed and you're annoyed about whatever. So do you. But Maybe also, you're hitting the transfer portal. Right, that too. Yeah, but you also have to give us something to work with. And so the good thing for him is he's going to whatever you want to call the Reese's Bowl, the Senior Bowl, right? He's going to that. So that'll be another chance for him for us to get some valuation of him against high-level pass rushers because the Big 12 is hit and miss with the teams on who's got you know the solid pass rushing. So as I can't talk anymore with this congestion thing, I'm gonna that's my take on on Dominic Cooney for for Kansas. Well, just to put a bow on him, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I mean, he's somewhat been on my radar. But I personally don't have him in the second round. Definitely not the first round at this point in time. Right. But to be I look determined. at him as a day three guy. Right now he feels like a day three guy, but also you know, that's right now. So, again, if we see him go into the uh, the Senior Bowl again, we're going to call it Senior Bowl until we come up with a better name, until they start sponsoring it as a draft craft bowl, right? But uh, until we start seeing that, the, the question is really going to be, is he the type of player that can match up the way that he needs to against, uh, you know, against some of the, the higher level guys in the, that are going to be coming out? Can he match up? I don't know who's going to all be in next. We've got to take a look at the list, but can he match up with Jared Verse? 
can he match up with uh, with Dallas Turner with some of those other guys? He had a great pass blocking number this year. He had a decent run blocking number this year. He's got the metrics that you'd expect, but the the eye test isn't there as you like to talk about JP. The eye test for me Red isn't flag. there yet. So it'll be fun to see. The dude also, I'll give him full credit. In two years as a starter, and he played 700 snaps both seasons, he hasn't given up a sack. So even though I'm complaining about him getting beat, he still doesn't get beat bad enough, I guess. So I'll be very curious to see how he gets valued. All right, I'm going to switch it over here. I got a theme going on offense. I promise I got some new names on defense, but I just feel like the offensive side of this draft, there's so much talent in it that I had to go back and revisit Mm -hmm. some of these other guys I hadn't talked about in a while that just to try to, I don't know, draw some clear lines, if you will. I went back and I watched my boy Troy Franklin, Dan. (laughs) You're just going back. You're going... Like the guy who's yeah. got a crush on a girl, he just keeps going back and be like, but what if? But what well, if? I had to, f- I, you know, I wanted to go back and revisit to see what I thought the injury was going to do to Jonathan Brooks. Then I just happened mm-hmm. to see Sanders and I was like, you know what? I do need <laughs> to watch him because I do need to figure out who tight end two is. And I'm calling him wide end, wide receiver end. Wide know. end. <laughs> please, please get a chance to let the Jatavian Sanders know that he is a wide end. Oh, man. But uh, anyhow, I just call him a tight receiver wouldn't work either. No, so no, wide end is like, probably better. You know what? Who's my third offensive player dive going to be? I've already done some somewhat older dives. Let's let's draw some clear lines. Let's figure this out. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out where he's going to go. Because you know, I know it's Marvin Harrison. I know it's a Dunze for me. But then sure. you know, it's very very likely it's Malik Neighbors at three. But it's very likely Franklin's at four. I was like, how close is this going to be? You know what my first note for, for Troy was? It's that. Holy smooth operator. <laughs> Man, he just seems like he's gliding out there. It's like he's on ice skates. Everything is so smooth. <laughs> like when he's just, mm-hmm. especially when he's just streaking down the field, it just seems effortless and he's just gliding by people. Dude, he's got quick bursts. This dude is fast. He is an absolute dangerous playmaker. He's got good hands. The only knock there is on this guy is he's on the thinner slide and don't ask him to block. Sure. I mean, but is, excuse me, is is Neighbors, you know, going to be, are you going to ask him to block? I think Neighbors (laughs) is probably a better blocker, but. Get a little weight on him. Yeah, but I mean, are you going to ask, you know, Marvin Harrison to block? Even with a bigger wide receiver like that? No, you're probably not. Like, wide receiver blocking is not necessarily a huge red flag. I guess what I'm getting at is I don't understand why I'm so high on this guy, and others aren't. I've seen him anywhere. Sure, I've seen him ranked as high as fourth or fifth Mm -hmm. best wide receiver. I've also seen him, like, down around 10. I I really feel like... He's got this eye test. He's got the eye test that I see. Franklin is your Rashi Rice this year. He, yeah, well, yes. Well, in the sense that he's a guy, he's a guy who's probably getting picked in the second round because of the guys in front of him that's going to end up being one of the best wide receivers in this draft, or at least coming out as a, as a rookie. Well, See, if, I can, here's the thing. if I can catch lightning in a bottle again, I was trying to scream to the whole world, Woody Raji Rice is like the almost a, could be a top <laughs> two wide receiver in this draft. He might be the best one. I don't know. I don't think right. Troy Franklin's going to be the best one. This wide receiver class is insane, but I, I get your point. I'm much higher on this sure. guy than it seems but, like you know, the rest Franklin, of the world, I don't get it. Sure. Franklin strikes me as the kind of player that, as long as it, we go back to the same thing, Jatavian Sanders. I, a, dude, I can't even talk because I'm going to blame the congestion. But also I'm making up brain. words today, so it's fine. <laughs> this is this is rare form for us to wrap up 2023. Huh? Uh, but yeah, Jatavian mm-hmm. Sanders, same kind of thing where Franklin, you put him in the right offense where you don't expect him to block, where you don't expect him to have to fight through you know, coverages and things, and you're you're using him properly, he is going to be a great pickup for you. But again, at 6'3", he's listed at 187. Be curious to see what he comes into the combine at. Most teams, I feel like... I think the 187 is pretty accurate, but I, I don't see... Man, he could be. If he's 6'3", it's crazy. I feel like he's like 6'2". I don't know, though. If he's 6'3", well, sure. wow. If he's 6'3", 187, regardless, I think that a lot of teams will look at 187, especially on a 6'2", 6'3", frame, and say, we can get him up to 200. Yeah, I think most NFL teams feel like they could probably get the guy to. up to close. And that's the question. But they feel like they could get him there. I think most teams feel like they can without sacrificing too much of the speed and shiftiness. But 
you know, we'll see. It'll be interesting you want to see a lazy, where that comes from. You want a lazy comp on him? Devonta ah. Smith, only a little heavier. Okay, sure. And that's not a bad person to be compared to, given how his season's gone. I mean, the fact that Franklin the style 14, of play is kind, actually kind of the same-ish, but sure. uh, that's a lazy comp. You're just thinking about a taller, thinner wide receiver, but hey. But the other piece of that, too, I mean, Devonta Smith obviously won the Heisman, so you know, good comp there. But also, Devonta Smith has shown so far that he's best suited to be a second option, partially mm-hmm. because he's got A.J. Brown with him, so who knows if he gets a chance to be the lead guy somewhere. I do personally think that Troy Franklin is going to be much better suited as a second option, at least to start with. He does not strike me. That. I mean, Marvin Harrison feels like he can walk in day one and be your number one, right? What if, what uh, if he I, goes What if he goes to Dallas? I just had Dallas oh, on the mind because we play him today. And I'm just you know imagining if C.D. Lamb and Troy Franklin are – Dak Prescott's going to win MVP. Well, with I mean, Ferguson right? and those two? <laughs> Well, hey, look, it's really funny the way that the, this isn't the NFL show, but people are talking about uh, Prescott being you know, being slighted, if you will, this year for the MVP because he's got the same numbers, if not better, than Lamar. And Lamar's getting all kinds of love, and Dak is, you know, the choker QB. And Lamar's getting the love because he's moments. got the NFL's best record. But you and I both know Terry yeah. Kill should win this thing. No, Terry exactly. Kill or and CMC, one of those two should win this thing. Or if, Dak. If Hill, didn't, yeah, if Hill didn't get dinged up, oh well. But that's a whole other story for another show. But my point being, yeah, Marvin Harrison can walk in and be your one. Troy Franklin walks in and is your high level two. And I really hope he doesn't go to Dallas because I don't want to root for them till Jerry's gone. I'm sorry. No offense to anybody who's a big Dallas Cowboy fan. I, I won't root for him. I, I like Jerry's the gone. Cowboys. I don't like Jerry, but I like their team, man. That's and my you point. Know, but but CD's my guy. CD's right. a guy that's that my I level. raved about like I did with Raji and Troy. Sure. That's my level of animosity. If I don't like the owner, I'm not going to root for the team. Indianapolis. I am a huge Gardner Minshew fan. We've talked about that. I'm a huge Anthony Richard fan, Richardson fan, even though I don't necessarily always gravitate towards quarterbacks that have got throwing issues, right? Uh, but I can't stand Jim Irsay. Feels like you do personally. there, Tim Tebow supporter. Well, okay, fair. Tim Tebow was a totally different story, though. <laughs> I wanted Tim Tebow to succeed purely because he never should have succeeded. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a well, totally different story. Let's get back on track here. Right. Well, let's get back to guys that we think can succeed at the next level. So I'm done with offensive players because, like you said, we've gone through a lot of the talent so far, uh, and there's definitely guys we still need to talk about. But uh, I wanted to focus on some of the defensive players. And the next two guys are guys that I'm talking about because I've already talked about other guys and their position group on a team, and maybe I got it wrong with who the best one is. But we're going to have a little back and forth now, too. So the first one is Makai Wingo from LSU. He's a six foot one inch 295-pound penetrating defensive tackle. And I put that on there because we talked uh, earlier about earlier in you know the year uh, about uh, his his other guy, Mason Smith, the, the, the fat man, if you will, between the two of them, dude who's just like a very much a nose tackle. But Wingo sitting next to him is definitely a different style player. So this is a guy who sheds blocks pretty well. I mean, he's he strikes me as the kind of dude who can track down plays from behind. He doesn't quit on a play once it gets past him. Uh, he seems like he recognizes well. Uh, it's weird because he had really solid 2022 film and then only played half the games in 23, and it was weird. So lower body injury, don't know exactly the details on it. Probably could have come back by now. I don't think he is because you know, the, the NFL prep. Uh, the thing that I found interesting was he only played half the game, still had the same number of sacks he had last year. So it looked like he was starting to make a leap and really starting to jump into that conversation for one of the better defensive tackles, and then he got hurt. And so the question is, do you believe that leap is being made? Do you think the injury is going to impact that? I mean, this is a guy that uh, looks like he could switch stunts. Uh, it just really seems like he has the athleticism to confuse guys and be a pass rusher from the inside. I mean, this is a guy who also returned an INT for a touchdown when he was playing at Missouri before he transferred to LSU. So definitely in the mold of the you know, Aaron Donald-esque type player. Again, we're not going to try to make that comp because that's just, you know, no. But in the sense that he's not a 340-pound guy. He's a little under 300. He's definitely going to be someone who's going to create havoc on the inside, and we see more and more in the NFL teams want that. So I'm curious and, you know, somewhat excited to see uh, where Makai Wingo ends up from a testing standpoint and all those kinds of things because he seems like a guy who could go second-ish, third round somewhere in that ballpark and be be a fun piece for a team to have in the defensive line. Well, I do think that Wingo ends up on day two. Um, I, even though he's your player, I have done like a, a you know, a secret mini dive uh-huh. on him. Um, well, go ahead. 
So the reason I wanted to do the dive is because I caught a couple LSU games and I was like, okay, this looks like your typical undersized, but a well above average athletic defensive tackle. I was like, I wonder if this can be your pass, like rushing, like penetrating T tackle, you know? And so I started watching his tape a little bit and I wasn't catching the eye test. He wasn't getting like off the blocks as much as I would like. I, I don't know. So I, I forget. I was just trying to look it up to see if I could, you know, put some actual data behind this, but <laughs> I very much got the vibe that I feel like he's just got short arms. I don't know if that's okay. an, if that impacts anything, you know, a lot anymore, but it just felt like he couldn't get off from some of these blocks, you know. He's not like pushing people. I don't know. That it's it's like again, I was looking for the eye test thing. He looks fast. He looks like he's pretty athletic. You talked about him getting the returning for the TD, but I just don't. I don't know. I if I think he's going to test well at the combine. Combine. I don't think he's going to measure well. I think he's going to measure shorter sure. than we think. I think he's going to measure way lighter than what we think. I think his arm length's going to be short, and I I don't know. And I think he could not. And if he goes on day two, it's going to be round three because I think he's going to get some red flags there. Well, I think that uh, there's the question mark too is where you play him again we're, it seems like a lot of guys we're talking about today it's a scheme fit kind of a thing because here's the thing you pair him with a big boy like mason smith you give him someone who's a space eater next to him and then maybe you got yourself a solid player because he isn't going to be double teamed but it, it might seem like if he's the kind of guy if he gets double teamed maybe he's going to get swallowed up a bit all right we're ready for a little halftime take dan i'm gonna need some help here indeed we are what do you got you have to, i got Two beers that I've had recently, but I, for the life of me, cannot remember if I've discussed either of them on the show. <laughs> Have I talked about two odd side ales, either the Darkened Night or the Stacked Blueberry and Maple lately? I don't think you've talked about either of those. You definitely had some odd sides, but I don't think you've talked about I know, either I, of those. I had a bunch of them lately, so I didn't. I'll, I'll just talk about one for today. Well, actually, All I'll right. talk about both today. You've already suggested we're doing a double episode. I'll talk about one now and one later. Alrighty then. I will start with this stacked blueberry and maple. This is a barrel aged, exactly what it sounds like, blueberry and maple like pancake like thing. <laughs> uh, have you ever had this one? No, but it sounds uh, delightful in small doses. Uh, you know, that's kind of what I thought. I'm not a big blueberry flavored fan, and I was very nervous. And the only reason I went and bought bought this thing is because we were last time we were talking about Oddside, we we're talking about having a chat with them and about how like some of their flavors seem to be so like obvious it almost comes off as fake. I think it's artificially sure. flavored. Dude, right on yes. You can mm -hmm. obviously tell there's some blueberry in here. I did appreciate that I got a little <laughs> bit of the bear the oaky barrel aged bourbon flavors in here. But for whatever reason, the sweetness of the blueberry with the sweetness of the maple was just too much for me. I only gave this a 2.75. Mm -hmm. My first like tasty note I put down was sweet. It's like, it's like not you your know style you not no. You know how like people like pucker up when they get something sour? It's yeah. almost like my taste buds are flipped, and that's what I do with sweet. Like I'm like, wow. That is, it makes my mouth like water. It's almost like a weird feeling. I don't know. It was not my <laughs> thing. Um, I do have a feeling that you would like this a lot, but in the exact way that you said it. Like you would love this in a flight. If you got a pint, you might uh -huh. start to trend more towards my take. <laughs> yeah, I very much believe that. that so if it blue, like if sweet and blueberry is your thing, go get it. Sure. What about the other one? I'm saving it for the next episode. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Well, I am going to be talking a little more beer than you because I went to I only a do place... one per episode. I try to usually. I can well, talk about I'm going to do a flight. Oh, yeah. You did. That's, that's, okay, but that's equivalent to one beer. Yeah. Right. Unleash. Go ahead. Well, more like, more like two. When you talk about the number of ounces, it's right in the ballpark of two. Point being, uh, I got a buddy who lives down in Kalamazoo in the, the Portage area down there. So for those of you who aren't familiar, that is where Bell's is. But it's not just Bell's because this is Michigan and we have a brewery. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. I was talking to a friend the other day. Hamtramck, which is over in the Detroit area, has either the most bars per capita or the most churches per capita of like any town in the country or something crazy like that. 
that was at least at one point the thing, which is funny to me that those are the two choices you have. But uh, there's Michigan, so there's breweries everywhere. So this this friend of mine in uh, Portage, they have a place called Presidential Brewing, and it is very much leans hard into all of that, where all of its beers have some tie-in to something to do with, you know, presidential-type things, right? And so I had a little flight, had some uh, food there. They did a nice job on the burgers, and the uh, they, they're big on the tater tots as well, so yeah, can't complain about that. But <laughs> had myself a Dill Clinton, which is a beer. It's like a cream ale that they make, and then they put a little bit of pickle juice in it, and then they stick a pickle spear in it, and it is delightful. I mean, it's, uh, it's not like... A transcendentally amazing beer, but it's a solid one. I give it a two seven five. All of the beer that I had at this place was good. It wasn't like blow your socks off amazing, but it is like it is good beer that you can definitely enjoy, and you should hit them up if you get the chance to get down there. But again, Dill Clinton was the first one I had, and then I had a Sherbert Hoover. It was a raspberry sour, which you may not have enjoyed as much, but I thought was quite good. I had a three two five on that, but again, uh, very raspberry very sour in the right ways. Like it was a tart sour. It wasn't like a weird bitter kind of sour. So definitely enjoyed that. Also like the tie in Herbert Hoover, Sherbert Hoover had the, the, uh, I, the, the rye IPA. Sound oh. like my thing. <laughs> well, the, here you go. Just a rye saying. IPA. Sold. Yeah. Yeah. Called the Reisenhower. So love it. again, very much the names are just, you may shake your head and love it. Uh, but again, the rye IPA exactly again. So it's an IPA with that extra little bit of, of spice and bitterness that comes uh, when you tie a rye into it, so definitely enjoyed that. That was a three two five. Um, had the achy breaky Harding. It's a little Warren Harding, and also fitting because the man was a notorious um, womanizer. So definitely fit well as far as presidential uh, single guys go. Uh, that was a red lager amber type beer. That was about a three. It wasn't bad. Again, it wasn't amazing, but it was definitely solid. Had the uh, the write in ballot, which is the IPA that they do when they're rolling through. They basically specialize one hop, so it's one hop at a time every time they they make this version of this beer. And so write in ballot because that's what you're doing if your candidate isn't on the ballot. And so the Rockau, I think is how you pronounce it, Raku Rockau, uh, which is a New Zealand hop. Definitely enjoyed that one. It was a fruited IPA. Got about a three and a half on that one. And the last one that I tried was the one that I thought you'd enjoy the most. It is Jimmy's Peanut Farm. Of course, reference Whoa. to Jimmy Carter. I, I would have a... been all in on the Reisenhower. Okay, the Reisenhower. This would have Porter, been number two based like. on what you would have described. Yes, these would have been my two. I, I did like the Peanut Farm a little bit better than the Reisenhower. Reisenhower was good. Peanut Farm was a little notch ahead, so I gave the Peanut Farm a three and a half. So the two best beers that I had were the Peanut Farm and then the Right in Ballot, uh, the Fruited IPA. So definitely worth a try. If for no other reason than the kitsch that they have around there, they have posters of Trump and Biden and cutouts of presidents, but they leaned in hard to all of that. And the other reason to go to this place, JP, especially in the summertime, they'll do little concerts, things like that, but they also have a mini golf course because this was like an old fun center type place. Like apparently they brew the beer where the laser tag used to go. So you can play mini golf and they have mini golf leagues. And that's just a hilarious thing. There's cup holders at pretty much every hole. So it's it's a, a fun little little trip down if you're in the Kalamazoo area. Hit up Bells because you, you should, right? Uh, but then pop into Presidential as well and you'll have a good time. Sounds like a, a, time. a stop that I need to make, sir. Well, we'll get there at some point. Don't worry. Time to jump into the second half of our players, though. Let's go. I've got my All guys right. ready. Do you have three players to talk about in the second half? I do, I do, and I'm going to start off with a new guy, as promised. Um, I had to figure out where all this sudden hype, and I mean sudden, I'm talking like in the last week or so, all of a sudden this guy's getting thrown around in the first round, okay? And that's Ennis Rakestraw Jr. I think I briefly brought him up on another episode. sound real. I know, right? Well, I had I was super excited because I was like, you know what? Right the day after we, well, the I'm trying to make a sentence here, Dan. It's not going well. Um, you can already tell I'm struggling. Yeah, is what I'm trying to say is yesterday Missouri and Ohio State played, and I knew we were doing the show today. I was like, <laughs> yes, I'm going to get to talk about Ennis Rakestraw Jr. playing against Marvin Harrison Jr. Neither feel, one by of the way? these. Neither one played. Yeah. It feels like you need to say his entire name, though, doesn't it? You cannot just yeah, say I, Ennis or Rakestraw. No. It has to be Ennis Rakestraw Jr. Yes. It's the full the gauntlet of everything I got. But I need if to you look at the, uh, the stats, no one from Ohio State played offense. No. No. <laughs> well, it wasn't thanks to him because he didn't play either. 
So I had to go back, and you know what? Surprisingly, especially for someone whose name's being thrown around in the first round pretty consistently now, it is not easy to find quality tape on this guy. But what I could find and what I could remember, because he didn't really stand out to me watching Missouri football, dude, he's just okay. Like, he's got okay size. He's got okay speed. He's got okay tackling, okay instincts, mm-hmm. okay production. Nothing blows me away about Ennis Rakestraw Jr. And I need mm-hmm. to know his middle name. I'm telling you, I got to throw that in there. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know what to say. Like everything's okay. Like he he can tackle. He's got adequate speed. His instincts. Yeah, I see. There's something there. This just looks like a guy you could draft that might be a plug and play. Like. I'll put him on the uh, as my number two corner, but he's he's not going to be my guy guarding the you know the top option of an offense. That's what I see. But when people are putting him in the first round, I I don't know. I'm going to have to go ahead and formally request that you attempt to do a dive on this player and tell me if I'm missing something. Sure, because I yeah. I'm not seeing it. I see talent, right? But I don't see anything in the first round. Well, one like, thing I, I will I, say for him, like he's, I. Uh, I Go ahead. He's got some honor roll stuff in there, which means this dude is clearly smart enough to be and putting cool. up uh, some some GPA numbers, which is positive because it means he's you know not a guy who's only we're drafting for our front office here. I mean, maybe right, but uh, the thing is, he started ten games at corner as a freshman, had the ACL tear as a sophomore, but then his best season yeah. seemed like and it I was forgot to even mention the, the, year after. the ACL recovery. Right, but that's the thing, though. It seems like his best season was the next year, because in 2022, he had 12 passes defense and a, and a pick, which is pretty solid. Those are the kind of numbers you expect to see out of a top, well, not top, at least a towards the top end uh, corner. But then this year, he only had four passes defense. And I got to look into him more, definitely, because that's a player that neither of us were really paying. I was telling you nope. to talk about Chris Abrams drain his teammate more than, than Rakestraw. But Rakestraw mm-hmm. still could come back because he is a junior. We'll have to take a look and see. I think he's he needs a... to come back because I have done a dive on Chris Abrams' drain, and I, I do like his tape better. Right. Well, his tape is better, especially this year. Drains this year, you know, four, four picks and uh, 12 passes defense. So that's just a thing. It's like the counting numbers weren't there for Rakestraw, so we're going to have to do a little more digging if he does indeed come out. Because you said that name to me when we were talking about who we we're going to talk about, and I'm, 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 excuse me, did you just put that in AI thing and it just spit out a name? Now again, <laughs> I'm all about figuring this out. We may need to do a little bit of investigating to see if we can come up with. I want his middle name to be something like Aloysius or whatever, just to complete this crazy name. You, I tried, I didn't get anywhere, so we'll see what happens. I'm not going to talk about uh, DBs just yet. I've got a couple safeties on the on the dock for uh, my last two players, but I said I'd have one more guy. That's on a defensive line. I said I was going to talk about another guy who's on an off our defensive line that I've already talked about. And I've already talked about Tyler Davis for Clemson. So now I have to talk about Rook Ohorohoro for Clemson. Oh, for Clemson. I think yeah, that's yeah. how you say his name, right? Uh, and that's the player. Here's the thing, dude. 6'4", 295, which is a strange combination for a defensive tackle. That sounds more like a, a large end. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, I literally put that in my notes. Like, he's pretty explosive from the interior. It could easily bounce outside on some downs if you need or you could put him in a 3-4 maybe as an end, potentially. Uh, the one thing I will say is the dude sheds blocks pretty well, and he, he feels like he swallows up uh, running backs probably from that 6-4 frame that he has out there. Dude has a lot of highlight plays, but he still only racked like a 74 on PFF, which is interesting. You might like him purely because of that. Uh, it does seem like he's capable of getting sacks from the inside. Dude has good hands. He's got uh, a relentless motor. Dude's a willing tackler. You know what I put down as my last note for him? It just seems like fun. He seems like he's the guy you want on your defensive line, even if you look at his uh, his PFF numbers. And again, I know that you and you have a love. Trying to call him BJ Raji. BJ Raji. Not quite. No, I think BJ Raji was a different kind of fun. Uh, But you look at this season. He still had 24 pressures. He had five sacks. He had uh, you know a handful of hurry stuff like that. And so he's a guy who basically is a B gap. Uh, defensive lineman, so he's definitely either you know one of your your interior tackles in a, in a four three, or maybe he you know slides out to a three four potentially. Uh, so I'd be curious to see him in more of a pass rushing role if he can can do that. He he feels like 
he's a better run defender than a pass rusher just because of how they've used him. But this is a dude I'm curious about. I think he's going to test well, but I feel like we need to do a little more digging on the tape to see where he's at. Because when you look at their defensive line and where the guys graded out for Clemson, at least for their interior players, um, he had like a 74, and then you know our boy Davis had like an 85. And so again, I, here or there, depending on how you want to rate people based off of numbers and metrics and analytics, but they both had about the same number of hurries. Horror uh, actually had more sacks than Davis, uh, but that's the thing. It's like, do you go off the counting numbers? Do you go off of uh, the, the overall analytics? The one thing I will say is he played a full season. He got in a lot of reps, and he seems like a fun guy who is probably going to be more like a third-round type player, but that has a lot of potential. If he gets in the right system, they can unlock him a little bit more uh, and put him with somebody else who's going to maybe eat up some blocks again. Same kind of feel like I have with uh, with Wingo, where he's not your space-eating kind of player, but he's going to be very effective if he's paired with someone who is. All right. Another somewhat new name here to the defensive gauntlet, if you will. I'm talking about Rod Moore, Michigan guy. Try to pick some players that are actually <laughs> playing in bowl games, and you know what? It's yeah. only because of they're the only ones that are playing or the ones that are in the playoffs, it feels like. Sure. Maybe we should do the Mel Kuyper thing and put 50 teams in the playoffs so everybody plays. Yeah, it's <laughs> what he says. He always says that. Well, but anyhow, yeah. did you do what I saw you chuckle there on the screen? Did you do a Rod Moore take two? I did. Okay, I'll keep mine it. quick and we'll, we'll, we'll no, 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 we're we'll good. We can split have it. A Rod we'll Moore conversation. It. Let's go. So here's what I, I'll, I'll do it fast so we don't, you know, for the sake <laughs> of the little time of the show. Um, Rod Moore seems like a guy who's probably got more corner size. So he's like six foot. I don't mm-hmm. think he's hitting 200, maybe 200 at tops. Um, I see a lot, a lot of high motor, high effort, very, very willing tackler in my eyes. Um, I see a guy that has good instincts and read, like yep. he seems to watch the quarterback more as a safety should in a way more than mm-hmm. the receivers that are tight ends, whoever has come in into his area. So he patiently mm-hmm. sits there and then he like jumps the routes a lot. And that's how he gets a lot of his turnovers. Right. Um, a two, and I don't want to go too much on the strengths, but I'll just go to the two areas of the red flags, if you will, that I'd seen one when this, when he gets beat, cause he seems like he's a smart player. He mm-hmm. doesn't make mistakes. But when he does get beat, I see like this frantic Rod Moore where he starts to get a little handsy, doesn't get his head around, and could easily get called for a flag. So he doesn't seem to get beat often, but when he does, he does not know how to recover from getting beat. Like Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, it's damage control. Let's not let him take it for a touchdown. Penalty's better. I'm just going to like grab. I don't know. I saw that a little bit, which was a red flag. Um, Yeah. You saw the same thing or no? No, I'm just agreeing with you. That is a red flag. <laughs> I didn't see it so much because uh, maybe I didn't get the see the right clips. But yeah, that is definitely not something you want out of your. You don't want a safety who's scared uh, or or freaks out a little bit when they get beat. You want a guy who knows he can come back and make a play. Yep, yep. It does doesn't happen a lot, but yeah, he'll all bets are off once he's beat. The <laughs> other red flag isn't really necessarily a red flag. It just confused me. Okay. As I dove into this guy, I was like, man, he is a little undersized, but why does it why does it look like he's just way more athletic than what he is? And then I started to do some research. He's allegedly running a four four flat forty. Okay. Which makes sense. But it's right. this guy plays opposite to what his natural strengths are. He looks like a high motor, very willing tackler, lowers his shoulder, gets in there, and he's small. But then he's got four four speed. And it seems like when he gets beat, he just wants to grab and doesn't use the speed to, you know, I don't know, get back in position. I don't know. You see what I'm saying? Like, I feel like he's got tools that he could use that it doesn't seem like he does. And then all of a sudden he uses these tools that it doesn't seem like he should have. So if he figures this out, I feel like he could be actually, he could be a one hell of a safety and be one of the better ones in this, surprisingly. And I don't know why it's just hitting me now or why we're both doing a dive on him now when he's a hometown guy. Yeah. Well, and I think we try not to be, you know, too many Michigan players right off the bat. But the, the weird thing, I'm looking through you know, some of his PFF and uh, looking at the, the tape that we talked about. And here's what I, I, I agree tackles. with. 
Well, I agree with most of it. Here's the thing, though. I, I wrote, literally put in my notes, it's like, he's a decent tackler, but he's not overly vicious. He's not the kind of guy who's, he's not a safety who's going to come down and just lay wood on a guy. He's a guy who's going to wrap you up and bring you down, but he's not uh, not a vicious he's tackler. not even you know 200 I mean? pounds, so he can't be. Right. <laughs> yeah, but there are some guys who are like under 200 pounds and just try to play like they're 250 That's pounds fair. and just they come flying around because they feel like they need to in order to get, you know, weight behind their moves, if you will. That's not more. More really feels like he's a free safety, like like that type of slot free safety kind of guy, uh, like a, a textbook center fielder sort of dude. He's so good at, like you said, noticing a quarterback and jumping routes. I mean, he had the, the game ceiling interception against uh, Michigan State last season and then against Ohio State this season. So he knows where to be to make plays, and that's the thing. He's very much a intelligent player. I didn't notice like what you were talking about with the uh, the recovery issues that he's got. But that's something I'll definitely take another look into. Well, it doesn't happen a lot, you know. Just, sure. I notice when he does get beat, all of a sudden his head doesn't turn and his hot right. hands don't go straight up. They go straight on you and like grab. <laughs> And that's not generally something that you'll be able to get away with at the next level. And so it'll be very interesting to see him, since we're talking about him right before they play uh, Alabama tomorrow night. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how he matches up. This is not like a transcendent Alabama wide receiver group, which is good because uh, if there's one thing that Michigan's going to want to make sure they can do is force uh, Milrow into a passing situation. So um, I, I look for Rod Moore to be able to bait Jalen Milrow into at least one interception in this game. We'll see what happens. But again, that's the thing. It'll be fun to see how he does and is he able to recover the way that we'd like him to. Because one of the nice things about how the uh, the coverage goes for the these you know, semifinal games is we get to see everything if we want to. So you better believe I'm going to have the broadcast on one screen and the All-22 on another one so I can actually do some All-22 looking at this game. And it's going to be, and Rod Moore is one of the guys I'm going to be watching for that. Rod Moore. I can't wait to watch him in. In the game there. All right, my last take here and the one I was the most excited <clears throat> to do, Dan. Yeah. I'm going to talk about a guy I have talked about, but I had to do a deeper dive <laughs> on him. I'm talking about Jonah Ellis. Ah. So I feel like he was part of my mini dives. Sure. You know what I mean? Never did an official official deep dive. So I almost did that, so I'm glad you are. That would have been quite hilarious if we did it two of the been. same ones. It's further proof that we don't <laughs> compare notes before we get yeah. on this thing. So, Joan Ellis, here's the thing. So, he's, you know, when the combine rolls around, I, I, if he's 6'3", I will be stoked. I think <laughs> he's probably 6'2". If he's 250, I will be super stoked. I think he's probably in the 240s, so he's, he's a little undersized, right? So, I do think he is going to measure fairly athletic for that. He's probably going to run like a somewhere in the 4'7 range. Um, sure. So, that's going to that's gonna be good. But... Um, you know, he had the torn labrum, so we'll see. I don't know. I honestly don't know where his recovery's at from that. So who right. knows how much he'll do there anyways. But um, he, dude, in 10 games, and I've seen the stats sometimes. Some sites show he's got 12 sacks. Some say he's got 13. I don't know. You get it. Either way, he's averaging more than a sack a game. Right? Right. This guy... I also want to point out before I get into the actual play on the field on draft day, I think he still might only be 20 years old. <laughs> so extremely, extremely young, but that's kind of like why he's starting to grow on me a little bit. Not because mm -hmm. he's young and you guaranteed maybe two contracts if he's healthy. None of that. It's just if you like 12, 13 sacks, no matter what it is in a 10 game period at 20 years old, Right. If you're doing that already, what is he going to be doing when he's 22 or 23 like a lot of these other kids? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like he, he's putting up the same numbers only two to three years younger. Utah is not – they don't have a cupcake schedule. You know what I mean? They play some tough yeah, games. Yeah, they play too. in the Pac-12. So, yeah. So I, he's growing on me a lot, and I'm trying not to be biased here because he's Luther's boy. Granted, Luther's had a, a few boys. And for those of you who don't know, Luther Ellis played defensive line for the Lions. So <laughs> mm -hmm. maybe this is a guy that I could talk myself into for being a Lion at the end of the first round. Who knows? We'll see how high I get on him. But here's the thing I notice about his tape. So he's definitely a high-effort guy. He definitely uses mm -hmm. a lot of power in the move you type thing. He's good with the hands. Strong dude. And, you sure. know, obviously he's had good production. We talked about the 12, maybe 13 sacks. 
But you know what I noticed though is he does he just doesn't see, he seems to have speed. He seems to have power. He doesn't seem to have bend. But here's the curious thing that stood out to me. A lot mm-hmm. of sites say that he doesn't have like the pass rushing tools or techniques or anything like that, right? <laughs> but I think what it is is he doesn't use them. When you go watch them, like you could, if you go watch the highlights, not just just highlights of all his good plays, but like mm-hmm. a highlight of an entirety of a game, right? You'll see the speed, right. you'll see the power. He's getting in there, he's moving the offensive lineman, he's causing pressure a fair amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. But when he finally closes the deal is when all of a sudden he does this crazy spin move and just gets right off from the old lineman and boom. But he sure. doesn't do it. So like that was well, my takeaway. Well, maybe he does like, play, right? Like maybe, like yeah, he doesn't do it every play. But I mean, I'd be shocked if he does it more than like twice a game. It feels like. So, so it almost seems it, like when he needs he d- to add a couple more play, a couple more moves to the repertoire. So he, when he does bust out the spin move, they aren't waiting for it or something. So he, just, well, he can use it more than twice. Well, maybe because he's done it with the swim and everything. Like he, he, but it's just he doesn't use these tools. I don't know if he's mm-hmm. like saving them, if he like lets them build <laughs> up and then he uses them when they're at full strength. I have no idea what's going on. But I guess my takeaway is, is it doesn't look like he doesn't have those tools. It just, mm-hmm. It's like he doesn't bring his tool bag to the game that often. Sure. It's almost like he's so it's holding it back for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't well, know. I laughed. So he feels more capable of what he is. But when mm-hmm. I say that, how can you say that when the dude's got 12 to 13 sacks? That's pretty darn good. It's a compliment when you're saying yeah. you can do more than your 12 or 13 sacks. But he's sacks also undersized. So I have sure. no idea. He's going to be one of my more fun storylines of where sure. he ends up. Yeah, and when you're talking about a player that's in 20. that kind of a boat, well, he's he's going to be 21 on draft oh, day by like a month. His birthday okay, is but the he's still 3rd 20 of April. right now. Yeah, he's the third okay. of April 2003. So he's so going to be dude's going to be barely 21 on draft day. Yeah, okay, that's kind of what I thought. And so, the reason why I chuckled when you talk about people's sites saying he doesn't have any uh, or he doesn't have the the pass rush moves, I'm like his dad is Luther Ellis. He'll figure his dad it out. Was, his dad was like <laughs> twice the size of him, too. Wasn't Luther like 330? Luther, oh, he wasn't that big, but he was, he was I bigger. I know, I'm exaggerating. But, I'm just saying. But that's the boy. thing. So you'd think that, you know. One if, of the other Ellis Luther, boys were over 300. Like his kids are all over the place. One was like over 300. Yeah. He's like 240. One of them was like uh, 260. One's a linebacker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got two other brothers that are in some level of NFL teams and practice squads and all that. But I think one was on the Patriots practice squad, I think. Yeah. Sorry. Point being, uh, when you get right down to it, Jonah Ellis will have people he can go to and talk to uh, to figure out some pass rushing moves he really needs to. But yeah, his brother's a a linebacker for the the Patriots. His other brother's a linebacker for the Falcons. And his other brother's a defensive tackle for the Eagles. So all three of his other brothers. Talk about (laughs) one of the reasons probably why he's tough, dude. He had a defensive tackle brother that he had to play it with when he was a kid. He had a, two linebacker brothers that he had to play as a kid. So, of course, he's going to be, you know, a little tough cookie in there. That man had a lot going on in his household, and he's the youngest of the four, at least at this point. So, point is, I think he'll figure it out. The last guy I'm going to talk about before we wrap up this show is a another uh, safety that is on a team that we've talked about some other players for. And that's a guy that I've been seeing people mock up pretty high. Uh, not one that I had talked about, and that's Tyke Smith from Georgia, 5'10", 205 kind of guy. Uh, the interesting thing about looking into him was how they used him, because you hear 5'10", 205, and you think, from a safety standpoint, is that a guy who's going to be you know, coming up and helping with the run because he's a little bit thicker, or is he going to be you know, helping on the pass because he's a little bit shorter? They went with the pass route. The dude did a ton, uh, it feels like, of slot coverage. Uh, this season, when it, when you look at a breakdown of the plays that he was in on for the uh, for the Bulldogs, and it felt kind of strange to me that that's how they used him personally. Just when I looked through everything that I saw on the tape, it really feels to me like he's better suited to a strong safety style role, just despite his size. The dude's a willing tackler. Yeah, he definitely. The one thing I will say for him is he goes toward a ball carrier rather than waiting for the guy to come to him. He's definitely someone who's an aggressive mover toward what's happening. Uh, which is very positive, obviously. He shoots angles. He gets low on tackles. Uh, I can see guys trying to hurdle him at the next level, but it seems like he still uh, has good form when he tackles, which is huge for me because I knock guys all the time that just throw a shoulder, uh, at least what I've seen so far. Definitely uh, aggressive style. He's good for a corner blitz. Uh, and he's 
the thing that I noticed, though, was when I watched the highlight on him, some of his coverage highlights were penalties. Like, you can see, it's like, oh, he pulled him there. Oh, he got away with a hold there. I'm like, so that's going to get called at the next level, most likely, right? Again, not always, but we see that. He's like, dude's opportunistic on uh, on turnovers, and he's got heart, he's got energy, he's got hustle. When you look at the, you know, when I looked in and did the PFF thing, he still had an 81. He had uh, an 82 on his coverage. Dude had a 90 on his pass rush, and that's what I'm saying. Like, he has the ability to come in and wreak havoc like that, but he had four picks this year. He also gave up three touchdowns, so he's very much... I'm not sold on him as a cover guy. I'd be I'd be curious to see how he's going to hold up trying to cover slot receivers at the next level. And so that's a concern. Uh, but again, he, he seems like a fun guy that I don't think I'd want to play in the slot as much as Georgia played him in the slot. That's just kind of my vibe from him. I'm not sure if you've paid any attention to this guy, but he seems like a he's little, going to not be a, a good player. Right, he seems like he's going to be a good player, but guys are mocking him in the second round now, and I, I don't see that personally. I will have to do a dive myself because i don't have enough info yet to agree nor disagree well and again i don't know that um that he's playing in their bowl game tonight because you know you know uh, and you were, you always ask me any final thoughts as we wrap up the show and you just nailed it that's my final thought gosh it's never been more frustrating and i feel like i say that every year but every year it gets worse like i get it i got a whole season to watch players but I always mm-hmm. get so excited to see what they're going to do in the bowl game when they, you know, like when everything's on the line. How do they play in a big moment? Nobody's playing. I can't right. wait for the, you know what, let me get off on a tiny tangent. Because I, no. I don't know we talked. I don't know if we talked about this back when you and I were, you know, fighting, if you will, about the Florida <laughs> State thing. You know what had just occurred to me, and I can't even take credit for it? I think I was watching ESPN. I think Mel Kuyper was the one that pointed Mm -hmm. it out. Never occurred to me. So if you brought it up, I apologize. It went way in one ear and out the other. Dude, (laughs) like, I don't think Florida State has the right to even be mad anymore. No. We could could have had way more players to talk about with a 12-team playoff this year. The only reason there wasn't a 12-team playoff this year is because the ACC president dude or whatever voted against the thing. So it got right. pushed back a year. Had they said yay, then boom, Whoops. they'd have been in anyways. So it's their own fault. Whoops. <laughs> There's my tangent. Right, and that's the thing. It's like, so obviously next year, the good news for us is the good players on great teams we will see because most of those guys aren't going to opt out of a chance at winning a national title. That's Correct. that's one thing that we've seen. I think it was that's last year. I like was, the 12. Let's Who go. was it last year from Ohio State or two years ago from Ohio State? One of the years that Ohio State didn't think they were going to get in, and the guy's like, I'm not playing in a bowl game. And then all of a sudden they made the semifinals. Like, I'm playing. So, Dude, you like, know, I'll... that's the guy who's going to win rookie of the year. Really? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it was Stroud, realize. wasn't it? Yeah. I didn't remember. Yeah. As soon as he lost to Michigan, as soon as he lost to Michigan, he's like, I'm not playing in the bowl game before he even left the field. Right. Yep. Yeah. And then the next week, him. he's like, Yeah, I'm, I'm playing in a bowl game. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll be curious to see uh, where that is. It looks like Smith might be playing tonight. I haven't seen any word on him not playing, so hopefully we get a chance to take a peek at him. But again, I'm not sure how much we're going to learn given the fact that he's going to be going up against Florida State's third-string offense or whatever the heck they're going to try right. out there right now. I I do. This is the level of like 20-some-odd guys opting out for Florida State. Sure, do your thing. You want to transfer. You want to complain. You want to protest. You want to not play because you think you're going to be in the NFL. Sure, fine, but at the end of the day... Well, it's not their like, fault. It's the conference's fault. No wonder right, they want out of the conference. Maybe it's right, not their geez. fault. Maybe they did want it, <laughs> and that's why they they want out so bad. Well, the Florida uh, see, State wants out see because... See how I'm flipping my take left and right? I don't know who to defend here. <laughs> no, Florida State wants out because they feel like they'll be better positioned I for know. them. And again, it's very much a me versus you know everybody else. If the ACC was bringing in the money that uh, the SEC and the Big Ten were, or were going to be, because remember... Everybody was just patting themselves on the back a decade ago when they made this long-term deal that seemed like it was going to be amazing, but like all long-term deals end to age Whoops. poorly. Yeah, exactly. They age poorly because either the, the talent level is not there or the talent level eclipses the value, and that's really where it is. It's not so much the talent level, but the numbers have gone up and they continue to go up, and so what seemed like security at one point now is an anchor, and that's kind of where they're See, at. I got you on a tangent now, too. Well, we're both on a tangent. We both think the system is broken and uh, it's going to turn into, it really does feel like it's going to turn into a breakaway division that the NCAA obviously wants to hang on to because of the money involved. But it really feels like, just like we had the split back in the 80s, 
there's going to be another split at some point where there's this Premier League-styled uh, conference setup, and then there's everybody else. And you know what? If we could figure out a way, and it won't happen because we don't do it here in the U.S., you want a quick tangent, if we could figure out a way to set this up for a relegation-style thing where there's a like a 32-team tier and a 32-team tier, and the top six and bottom six or whatever you know, change every year, holy wow, would that be interesting? But it's not going to happen. Fun. Because people, because money is really what it comes down to. It's not going to happen because money. Because we are too, uh, we, we don't want to lose what we have here in the U.S. versus other countries where the, you have to earn it. You know, it's just kind of how things work out. But there's our there's our little diatribe. Anything else you want to say to wrap this oh, show up after we I got on 18 different at, tangents? Yeah, I'm ready to go to episode two. All right. Well, hey, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this. Feel free to take a break. We're not going to take much of one. You can wait a day or two if you need a break from all the craziness that we had here. We'll catch you next time you listen. Contract. Yeah.